Blog Talk Radio. Thank you for tuning in to the Consumer's Law Journal on AORPRA Law Talk Radio. Today is Tuesday, October 5th, 2010, and I'm your host, Nick Lissing. This show is produced by AORPRA Incorporated, a national law practice management agency headquartered downtown Chicago, Illinois, and serving greater Chicago, Los Angeles, New York, and Washington, D.C. We help manage our clients' business so they can spend more time practicing law. Today's guest is Mary Erlane, President of Peak Marketing and Sales Incorporated, who also serves as the Executive Vice President of the Leadership Management Institute, Riverside. Mary is a business coach who specializes in strategic organizational planning and implementation. Mary is the facilitator of the Peak Workshops and is a co-facilitator of the Entrepreneurs Group in Chicago. A link to her website is available at www.peakmarketingsales.com. Again, peakmarketingsales.com. Mary Erlane works to help professionals who learn the skill of connecting the dots and removing barriers. The Acclaim Workshop Series offers several educational programs focused on a variety of executive skill sets. Today, Mary will discuss business, business succession planning and help us identify key functions and players in our organization so that in the event of an organizational reformation, a business succession plan can be implemented and disruption to the business is minimized. We have a great show for you this afternoon. We invite caller questions either by email at info at ALRPRA.com or by calling into area code 917-889-9732 and pressing option 1 to be placed in the caller queue. The telephone number again is 917-889-9732, option 1 to be placed in the queue. We also want to share with our listeners we have a short contest going. All callers uh, and questions of this show will receive free webinar admission to an upcoming event titled Avoiding Legal and Business Pitfalls in Social Media. Um, this is an event for lawyers, so Lawyers Avoiding Legal and Business Pitfalls in Social Media, event to be held in two sessions, a morning session on October 19th and an evening session uh, Wednesday, October 27th. The regular price of admission is $25. More information will be available shortly, and please do watch for our event uh, invitation on Facebook. By way of short disclaimer, this is a general information program, and the advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Results may be very based on specific facts and your location. Communication with attorney guests among uh, callers and guests on this show does not give rise to an attorney-client or other professional relationship. If you have further questions, you're always encouraged to consult with an attorney or professional in your area. Finally, all callers do remain confidential, and all rights to this broadcast are reserved by ALRPRA. Before we turn over to Mary Erlane, we want to run through some of the topics that she will discuss today. Uh, we'll be looking at what business owners focus on, defining succession planning, going into the organizational development process, um, and more strategy as we look forward to what we can set up so that we don't end up with a problem with uh, a failed plan for what to happen in succession events. So without any further ado, I'll turn things over to Mary. Hi, Mary. How are you today? I am great, Nick. Thanks for inviting me on the show. Um, today, what I'd like to do is uh, talk about succession planning. Uh, really, when succession planning is to begin, is the day we go into business. In reality, it's a lot easier to get into business than it is to get out of business. And if we don't do it properly and we don't plan properly, we can create quite a dilemma when it comes time to hand our legacy on, um, hand those keys on, so to speak, to the next people who will run the business. 
All right, Mary. Well, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about what are some things that business owners will typically focus on uh, and go from there. Typically, business owners focus on the legal aspects, and clearly these are all things that people need to do. They need to, to get a good attorney, and what I mean by a good attorney is they need to get an attorney who has mergers and acquisitions experience in their background. Um, they also need to focus on the financial aspects. Their personal and their business financial assets need to be managed, and they need to really be managed together and managed properly. Uh, clearly, there are tax imp implications, and having a good uh, CPA uh, that really also understands mergers and acquisitions so that the business can be best positioned uh, for when that event occurs and then finding a way um, to really exit the business. You know, there are wonderful business brokers out there, actually, MBBI and IBBA are wonderful organizations where lots of um, reputable business owners or business brokers hang out. And what business brokers really do is, is they package that business and put it on the market um, if you're going to market. They, there are wonderful advisors that can help you um, if you're going to pass that business on in your family. And then there's also some, some great online resources um, that, are, that are coming up. So what's missing? Well, uh, Mary, what's missing is to figure out what we're going to do if we do have an, a business uh, succession event. Um, how do we start by, I suppose, identifying uh, what we want to do to maintain the business or where we want to go in the future? Where should we start? Well, first it might start with a definition. Um, really, and I, I found this online um, through Wikipedia, really succession planning, I quote, is a process for identifying and developing internal personnel with the potential to fill key or critical organizational positions. Succession planning ensures the availability of experienced and capable employees that are prepared to assume these roles as they become available. Typically what people see is succession planning is the event by which we get all those other professionals I just talked about engaged to get the business to market, the structure so to speak, when in reality succession planning, the value of business, is the human capital that exists right now without the owners. So really succession planning is really the passing on of those experienced and capable employees to the next business owners. It's really all about the human capital. Mary, can you talk a little bit more about what you mean by human capital and what we should be, again, what we should be identifying as far as making our plan? Well, first off, if we look at a typical organization, the organizations that I see, I see organizations that are run where all of the intellectual property, all of the know-how, or at least the majority, um, lives inside the owner's heads. You know, if we took the owner and just yanked them out of the company, um, what happens? How much is that company worth? If the owner really has all that intellectual property, all that know-how, all the trade secrets, if in a given day nothing can happen in that company without the owner touching it, that company 
is oftentimes not worth anything other than maybe the the scrap equipment if there is any um that's about all it's worth whereas in the in in what I do is come into a company and we really help um extract that knowledge that that process um all of those trade secrets and we drive all of that experience and knowledge down into the employees so that really at the end of the day when you value a business the business will be valued much higher because that business can run without that business owner what i'm hearing is a set of systems um and sort of taking the business out of that individual's head and carving out different areas, different roles, and different key players, and reducing everything to to paper in uh, organized systems. Is that about right? Yes, and this it's a process. It's a process that you know, in reality, um, if you talk to anybody in in the world of business development, um, that process can take um, as long as five years. Oftentimes, what we see is business owners really are not positioning themselves in that process until much sooner than that, which creates quite um, a different situation for those aforementioned you know, tax attorneys and financial professionals and, and um, business brokers. It can be done, but clearly the earlier someone starts to really hand on to their employees and really see and value them in the business, um, really reach for their experience, their capabilities, their knowledge, um, and get gain. You can position your business to be worth much. And at the end of the day, when you hand it on, um, it also point where you're setting your be very attractive, you know, in, in a sale. You're that's all dented up and rusty, or you're going to buy something that looks relatively new. You take good care of it, it's more. Very little stuff. But not firms running a business. He had a, an office manager who was first a receptionist um, and then took on more management functions and one day when she quit, um, I don't remember if she quit or was terminated or for whatever reason she was no longer there in that position, um, he had no idea what she had been doing. Um, there was a desk full of papers, there was a C. Um, you know, everything was in her head instead of uh, her job functions reduced to uh, a tangible form. Well, yes, that's probably a two-way street. Um, really, it's critical to have open lines of communication throughout the business, and that's kind of an example of the reverse holding true, which also can be detrimental, you know, in the world of um, business success. So when we really look at this, succession planning, those, those, those professionals exist around the business. Where I do is I team with professionals like the, the, uh, the CPAs, the business brokers, the mergers and acquisition attorneys. I 
partner with those individuals because we really become the internal piece in the process. We're the ones inside, and in reality, um, we can oftentimes steer the ship so that if we're growing a company, that's to the CPA's advantage because he has more um, more money, basically more money to count, more money to manage. When we're looking at growing a company and creating some key roles inside the company, we'll get into that later, um, That that's additional agreements. So in reality, by, by looking at this as, as a team effort versus a, a series of lone wolves, everybody wins. The business owner gets a very solid and stable company from all aspects. The employees inside the company get the development um, and, and skill sets that you know they need to succeed. The business owner has a solid company to put on the market and a solid uh, retirement. Um, however, retirement is defined. He has he or she or they have solid retirements that they know they can go on. And when they lock the doors and walk away, um, they're set. And and that's the ideal. But but. Looking at this as a collaborative event can um, be critical as to the end of the day, what's the business worth and what could it have been worth. Mary, before we take our first short break, I'd like to ask you your advice for someone who uh, appreciates the necessity for succession planning and wants to sort of put their business uh, into paper. Um, how do they go about generating a rough outline of their business, what they would uh, likely bring to the table that you could help them help themselves with succession planning? Well, any of the principles that I'm talking about today could be applied whether we're talking about developing your business for um, actually handing it over and, and, you know, whether you're selling it, closing it, or handing it down, you know, to family members. Any of these principles could, could be used in just basic business growth. Um, the, the first aspect, and we'll get into it a little bit later, is really who are your employees? You know, who, who is essentially on the bus and, and who, you know, who isn't, you know, um, and, and that's through, through basic assessments. You know, and we'll get into the actual awareness phase in more detail. But truly, it comes down to the basics of starting to develop and, and um, really nurture those personal leadership skills in the business ownership and then kind of moving our way as a spider web throughout the entire company and um, putting employee development in that actually is purposeful to each employee. So it's one person at a time. It's done slowly. It's done purposefully. And it doesn't happen without first a high-level awareness and then putting together a plan. All right, Mary. Well, it sounds like starting at the beginning is starting with a plan and putting together a plan. So um, it's good information and good good advice for those of us listening to think about what we take for granted, what we do every day. If you were to explain to someone uh, what your company uh, does, uh, you know, really boil things back down to a quote that I'd like to uh, to share with you that planning is the, the bringing the future into the present so that you can do something about it now. And I like that quote because now is the time to do it. Now, later is, later is sometimes it's too late. So let's pause for a quick uh, sponsor break and then we'll be delved back into succession planning. 
thank you for any of those who are just tuning in and listening to the Consumer's Law Journal on the ALRPRA's Law Talk Radio. Our first sponsor is attorney Nancy K. Ducharme. When you need the right legal services to advance your creativity, call the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Attorney Nancy K. Ducharme brings big law firm experience and reputation to her intellectual property law firm, serving national corporate clients in the areas of trademark, copyright, internet, and advertising law. You can find the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme by visiting nkdlaw.com and also by searching for the law office of Nancy K. Ducharme on Facebook. By clicking the Like button on the law firm's business page, you'll receive periodic blog updates with recent developments in the rapidly changing field of intellectual property law. Now back to our Law Talk radio program. We do invite listeners to call in with any questions. Please dial area code 917-889-9732 and press option 1 to be placed in the caller queue. The telephone number again was area code 917-889-9732, option 1. We also want to remind people if you do have questions for any of our guests, please feel free to email us at info at alrpra.com. Now we go back to our discussion on business succession planning with business coach Mary Erlane. Again, to get in touch with Mary Erlane, you can find her contact info at peakmarketingandsales.com. Moving forward with our discussion on succession planning, we're going to take this next session to uh, go through and very uh, accurately describe and uh, very thoroughly define succession planning. Let's go ahead. Most people will call our um, the process of strategic planning, what Leadership Management Institute has defined. And let me start by describing that. Um, LMI started nearly 50 years ago by Paul J. Meyer. Paul was a pioneer in leadership development and organizational development. Um, he has mentored such greats as um, Covey, Ziegler, um, Hopkins, uh, Sandler in his days. Um, his his um, dear friends were uh, Ken Blanchard and John Maxwell, and Paul um, passed away um, in his early 80s uh, just just about a year ago. Um, Paul was a pioneer, and, and what really sets the tone as to what we do is strategic development. It all wraps itself um, around first a high level of awareness, and that awareness has to do with not only the company, the company structure, um, the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, but it also is a high-level awareness of what, what, who, who can we identify in the company? You know, really understand who the, the, the people are. You know, how does the structure work? What are the personalities? What are the, the um, possibilities? So it's, it's um, a fairly arduous process to really understand and have an awareness of the company itself. And from that, we go into the, the levels of um, planning and development, and that is all around our goal setting. And that goal setting is done. Um, organizational goals, um, goals from the individuals that are participating in the process, and those goals begin to be instituted and tracked. Um, so immediately, we begin to see improvement. We begin to see results. 
you know, it's great to have a strategic plan and you get it in a great binder and people, you know, pat you on the back and they leave. In our case, we stay in there and help implement the plan. So it is that development and that planning. You know, what is the vision, the mission, the purpose? You know, what what are the um, uh, the values? What are the goals um, of of this organization? And it's something that it, it's not something that we put on a cross point or you know cross stitch and put in the in the, uh, the the front reception area. It's really how you hire. You hire by this. You believe in this. Um, and then really measuring the results. Uh, the results management, what is, what, what is the ROI? You know, where are goals moving forward? Who is helping you move goals forward? Who are your change plan critics? Because inevitably when change happens inside of an organization, you're going to uproot those change plan critics. And those are those people that can't stand change and oftentimes they're going to do everything not to change. So we also identify who are your real players and who who they aren't. Um, so that's what makes our our process a little different. We, you know, we manage tomorrow's performance today. You know, through the effective strategic leadership and strategy execution, it's combining the leadership and execution is really what makes planning come alive. All right, Mary, I appreciate the uh, intro into the strategic development process. Let's now jump over to some of the more organizational considerations, talk about the organizational development process, uh, where we're taking the organization, some goals and destinations we might have so that management can put the heads together and uh, form a goal. Well, it, it starts with first um, effective um, strategic leadership. It's you know it's that ability to lead an organization. And again, in the strategic, um, or I'm sorry, in the succession planning process, um, who are the leaders in the organization? And leaders are not always defined by titles. You can find leaders in amazing places um, within in an organization in an org chart. You know, the strategic leader is able to define and develop the purpose of the organization, the key strategies, the optimum structure, the right people in the right roles. Um, the most effective process for the organizations to succeed. You know, that's really, and, and that isn't just up to the business owners. Um, what we do is we help people, you know, clarify their purpose. Why is it you exist? And, and that sounds like an oversimplified question, but really, in reality, when when I've sat with a team of people in strategic planning, it's amazing the difference in the answers that you get just from one organization. The answers aren't always wrong, but if they're they're insights, they're insight and they're valuable to really understand that. Oftentimes, employees are there for different reasons. Um, there's, there's the assessments. You know, first we have to figure out where we're at now. It's, it's sometimes easy to identify the North Star and understand where is it we want to go. We can say we want to be an X number of million company with X number of employees and, and you know, X number of locations. But we, we stop, um, or I should say, we neglect to realize where is it we are and how far are we off. Um, 
1% mistake in identifying where we're at can lead us way off course to ever reaching that North Star. Mary, it sounds like a, a more procedural process uh, instead of just running with ideas and uh, going with them. And I know that I've done that myself where I'll get a good idea for someone and then we'll run with it, uh, not really thinking about where that fits in terms of the roadmap for the business. Exactly, and that all comes down to having clearly defined goals. The difference between somebody's success and somebody's lack of success is the person that is successful has clearly defined goals. And what I mean by that is they're smart goals. They're specific, they're measurable, they're attainable, they're realistic, they're timely and tangible. But in addition to that, we've attached a value to those goals. I understand all the benefits that I will get from achieving that goal, but I also understand the losses I need to be avoiding. Example, if I want to grow my business by 25%, that means I'm going to have to spending more time in my business. Well, time is just not manufactured. Nobody gets more than 24 hours. Time's got to come from somewhere. So am I going to be giving up time with my family? Am I going to be giving up time exercising? Am I going to be giving up time um, coming from? What? Why it's me? If I was... If I, Okay, we are back. Uh, sorry for the interruption, temporary uh, technical glitch. Back to Mary, we're still rounding out uh, talking about the organizational development process. When we're looking at the goals, I was talking about the obstacles. And then really, what are the, the necessary steps? What are the high payoff activities? What are the seven day goals that you need to set um, in order to achieve those? Is breaking it down into the small steps. and always having somebody hold you accountable. Um, that's truly personal leadership at the heart of it. Um, it really starts with uh, goals and measuring the results and holding yourself accountable, but also having a buddy hold you accountable as well. All right. Now, Mary, when you were talking about all this, one thing that I thought about um, just talking about the, the process of where we're going and thinking, what would I want to do uh, with the company if something were to happen? And I don't know that there would be an event that there would be a sale of the company, and I don't plan to get hit by a bus. Uh, you know, all these things are you know things that we think about. However, an analogy came to mind with the fire drills. Um, I know that when I was a kid, our parents always 
had the the fire the family fire escape plan. And having that fire drill and knowing what you would do in an event doesn't mean you want your house to burn down, but it means that you're prepared in the event that the unforeseen happens. So that's how I sort of think of succession planning. So let's take a break a quick for our second sponsor, and then we'll get back into our third segment. Um, one moment. Sorry about that. Missed my page here. Okay, our second sponsor. And by the way, anyone who just tuned in, you're listening to Law Talk Radio on AOR PRA, Blog Talk Radio. This is the Consumer's Law Journal. We do apologize for a brief moment of dead air. Uh, unfortunately, those things happen sometimes, so we appreciate uh, your support and patience. Now, our second sponsor is from uh, Get Clients, the Get Clients Now program. It's Jim Thompson. He's a seasoned attorney and marketing coach, and if you want more clients now, he's the, he's the guy to talk to. Um, his clients, Get Clients Now program helps take crucial steps towards increasing the firm revenues by employing various time-honored techniques that help attract new business and encourage referrals. Jim is going to be a recurring guest on the Lawyer's Toolbox show, uh, our Thursday program, that is, regarding attorney marketing. And to learn more about Jim Thompson and the Midwest Consulting Group, you can visit MidwestConsultants.net and also check out his testimonials on Facebook by searching Get Clients Now. ALRPRA strongly endorses the Get Clients Now program and that's Sam personal ability course. Again, you can get in touch Again, that is Midwest And larger firms and are now going out on their first time as a solo, um, it's a really good program for them as well. So again, MidwestConsultants.net, Jim Thompson is a regular guest on the show, so we look forward to more from Jim uh, at a later date. Now we're going back with our uh, business coach guest, Mary Erlane. We're talking about succession planning, and so far we've talked about defining what a succession plan truly means and some pragmatic considerations. We've also delved into uh, the organizational development process and the strategic development process. And uh, now we want to back up a little and get a better definition and sort of uh, carve out um, a four-part definition for succession planning with our employees' availability, uh, the experience of the employees, um, capability, uh, so things that we're looking at when determining, and it's uh, you know what what would happen in a business succession or sale event. But I think that that may help us really identify and ask some questions of our organization, our employees that we haven't already looked at uh, potentially. What if we did take people from one role and plug them into another role? What you know what might happen then? So if we could, Mary, let's uh, break down that definition of succession planning a little more. Well. First, it really comes down to um, looking at you know what who are the who are the employees available to you that can help take you through this plan you know identifying the leaders in your organization um, I can recall when I was down at the Executive Club of Chicago and there was a gentleman um, of a multi billion dollar company. And um, the gentleman was in his 40s, and he had already identified um, three potential candidates that that company was going to be um, passed off to as CEO when, when it was time for him to leave. And he was in no hurry to leave, 
but that was the tradition in this company and that's ultimately how he found his way into being the CEO is he came up through the ranks and was identified and developed and nurtured so that ultimately when the company was handed over to him, he was ready to lead it um, for the length of time he was going to lead it and that it was also his job to identify who are the next people. And in this particular case, this company has been quite successful um, nurturing the, the next leaders and not having to go out to the market to get the next CEO. That's just one opportunity. But that's the first thing is who, who are your leaders? You know, what levels of experience do people have? You know, what talent, what skill, what, what levels of, of leadership are you not tapping into with your employees? Um, oftentimes the, the greatest ideas can come from within because these are the people that are in the trenches every day. These are the people that have loyalty to the company that tapping into their ideas can, can propel a company and can help grow a company. You know, what is um, their, their capability? Um, that's their skill development. You know, what levels of skill could you and be more valuable to a company. Um, I'm, I more develop people from, you know, productivity, leadership, team building, communication, um, in that sense. But are there some hard skills that you could be giving your employees uh, that, that could potentially um, make them more valuable to you? Um, and another critical thought would be, and that's where attorneys come in, is having key employees. You know, what can you do to wrap some golden handcuffs around those employees? You know, what are the benefits maybe um, that you can provide those critical people that would be um, absolutely, um, it would be a, a very um, negative experience if they left. And right now, out in the market, um, poaching, is probably num one of the number things that have number one things that happen in, in the in the world of business networking is poaching employees away from from other businesses. So how how is it that you can um, retain those key employees and really show them their value? And oftentimes it isn't throwing dollars at them; it's making them feel appreciated. And how you can make people feel appreciated is investing in their development. What I'm hearing from you is a sense of ownership goes such a far away, uh, you know, so far as an asset in the business. And by considering succession planning and defining succession planning by our employees' skills, experiences, capabilities, um, we're killing, you know, several. Well, to, to, some people don't like that phrase, killing two birds with one stone, but I'm going to throw it out there. I like it, and you know, it really does help us take another look at our employees from different uh, aspects. For example, if I were unavailable, could this person run the company in my stead? If I wanted to have this person step up to a managerial role, how can we get there? And it seems like such a great thing to plan for the unforeseen, even though that person you may not think is ready right now, we can start making inroads um, to get that person ramped up to speed in the event that we have them for another position. Um, what, are, what are some other elements of the definition of succession planning that we should think about? Well, let me, let me hold on that for a second. Let's take a different, let's take a different turn on that. Right now, 
the average employee inside of a company is um, losing an hour and a half a day in productivity. This does not include any of the goofing off that's happening where they're, they're texting or they're, they're socializing or they're on the Internet. No, this is absolutely 100% how the average employee operates inside of a process, is given a project and the process by which they go through that process. They're losing an hour and a half a day. Well, do math. Take an hour and a half times the average pay or salary that the employee makes times five days a week times 52 weeks a year times how many employees you have and really look at the amount of revenue you are losing just on the base of lack of productivity. And, and the reason they're not productive can be many reasons. A, you might not have really invested in them. They, you may, your process might be an issue. There can be a variety of reasons. That in and of itself, outside of succession planning, is another reason why to invest in developing people inside your company. You can have your machines run faster. You can you know, get all kinds of technology to make the workflow move faster, but in reality, at the end of the day, it's people that are really at the heart of it. And um, today people are investing their dollars in everything around the people when in reality the people are really more the issue. And then if you take that number and multiply the opportunities lost that you had, that, that number can be drastic and jaw-dropping. Um, when we did the math literally in a workshop one time, um, I saw a number of business owners clearly disturbed by that number because they began to run the list of their employees in their head and really began to apply that science and that possibility. And um, there were jaws dropping left and right in, in that classroom. But the key is, is that it doesn't have to be that way. Um, you can invest in, in in example, given our program, the effective personal productivity, the backbone of what we do, and we'll guarantee we'll get you back 30 minutes, at least 30 minutes per day for those. If you do the math on that, um, give give me give me a uh, an employee who is is an overachiever, and you know the numbers the numbers will speak for themselves. But the minimum we will get you 30 minutes back per employee. Mary, that's great. 30 minutes could mean so much in terms of uh, what I'm seeing here is uh, some sort of development type of advancement for that employee. And when we talked about succession planning and the definition and talked about the employee availability, um, you know, we realized that sometimes an employee might not be available for a certain job function, and we really would want to think about the systems that we have set up so that if an employee is not available, how much of that uh, employee's asset is, um, you know, is within an internal versus how much can be reduced to a good system that another person could step in and fill that role. So instead of our, instead that 30 minutes, um, what we might think about is developing areas that employee might go in the company or new directions or some goals to work towards. Um, so that in the event we do have an opportunity, because we never know when 
someone's going to call on the phone and a new client's going to come in and it's going to take the company in a whole different direction. Um, you know, it's that million-dollar client we always think of. So what do we, you know, what if that happens? And maybe you could play out a scenario where, um, you know, do a set of what-ifs. What if that we do get the million-dollar client? How is that going to change the company? And what things do people need to do to ramp up and go in that direction? Um, I think there's, you know, if we had 30 minutes, uh, even 30 minutes a, a month, spent on that, we'd be in much better shape. Well, I think that's at the heart of client retention issues. Um, you know, where, where process time is lost is, is probably one of the critical areas where it's difficult to retain. So you do get that million-dollar client, um, and you don't have the employees that um, either are trained or developed to be able to handle that. Um, Somebody's going to have to shoulder the responsibility of being able to do that. Um, I um, I think of um, a situation where uh, one gentleman was was talking about his employees, and he began because he knew that they there was other time off the clock, and he really realized that his client his uh, employees were maybe giving him part time a day. Um, so if, if he ended up having some explosion in his business, um, that level of change would, would not be able to, they would not be able to sustain themselves um, in the company. So, you know, in terms of um, back to the, the succession planning world, you know, all the development that you can do today, you get to reap the benefits today because um, companies will grow. Uh, currently companies, I, I was at the LMI conference over this past weekend and heard some startling statistics um, at the uh, mass exodus that's being positioned um, because uh, the working conditions um, that exist right now in, in companies around the United States, it's not the world, but just let's speak of the United States, and specifically this was talking about IT, that when the economy gets better, um, a mass exodus is going to occur um, because there's a tremendous amount of employee dissatisfaction. And the levels of denial of that reality um, exist in, in ownership. Um, it, 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 was, uh, it was clearly disturbing, and, um, uh, but that's something that I had been talking about prior to going to the conference, but it was interesting to actually see the statistics that... Um, they have been doing surveys of people, and that is clearly what they're planning on doing. Um, in the world, if you were in the middle of succession planning and, and suddenly the market gets better, who are your employees that are going to stay? Who are the ones that are going to leave? Um, it all really comes down to how much have you invested in your employees. Thank you, Mary. It's a very uh, kind of an unnerving thing to think about. I'm picturing this mass uh, walkout. <laughs> Everyone uh, take this job and shove it time, I suppose. And right now we do experience uh, you know, so many people saying, I'm going to stay in my current position because there are no other stable jobs out there right now or I don't want to take that risk or start a new venture that might not pan out. Um, and people are are experiencing uh, pay cuts at work, benefit reduction, other things that are the recipe for unsatisfied employees. So we should think in terms 
um, when I see when I'm I'm thinking about my own company here with succession planning, and uh, the succession that I'm ready for is a boost in sales and business, um, and my planning on how we will be able to uh, meet those client needs. So that's what I see as succession planning. So this really is something that does uh, apply to anybody in business, whether it's a large organization or a small law firm or uh, you know any business for that matter. So. Let's pause and go to our third sponsor and take a break here and then get back into our final session where we'll talk a little bit more about assessments. I'm going to ask everyone to get out a piece of paper and start jotting some notes um, on how we can start and assess our individual organization so that we're better uh, aware of our own uh, houses when we do contact a business coach or succession planner such as Mary uh, in the LMI uh, Riverside group. So let's take a break for our third sponsor. Uh, by the way, anybody who is calling in um, wants to call in, the telephone number is 917-889-9732. Again, 917-889-9732, uh, option one to be placed in the queue. And as always, you can uh, email us at info, I-N-F-O, at A-L-R-P-R-A.com to have your question forwarded on to any of our guests or to have a question answered on a subsequent program. Again, our third uh, sponsor is credit damage expert George Finder. He's an expert who can put a dollar amount on damage to credit reputation. One of only a few of these experts in the country, attorneys and plaintiffs who have retained George Finder's services have earned huge damage awards in various practice areas, such as personal injury, employment law, family law, and general civil litigation. By learning to incorporate credit damage questions into the intake process, you and your staff will be able to spot credit damage events worthy of retaining George Finder's credit damage analysis services. By the way, right now, any of our listeners who do contact George Finder and tell them that they heard about him on ALRPRA's Law Talk Radio will receive free of charge one hour of CLE presentation. So grab a pen and take down this email address and respond to this special offer. It's creditdamageassociates at gmx.com. That is plural. It's, again, creditdamageassociates at gmx.com. Available nationwide, Credit Damage Experts George Finder's website is full of resources. You can visit creditdamageexpert.com to learn more about George Finder and his excellent services. Now, we want to, again, uh, remind any callers, if you want to call in with a final question, 917-889-9732. Let's jump back now to uh, Mary Erlane, uh, business coach from Peak Marketing and Sales to round out our final segment on business succession planning. Again, we're going to talk about assessments um, and what are capital considerations. We're going to break it down a little bit. Um, so try to follow along and make some of your own notes thinking about your own uh, company or uh, organization as we learn more. Um, most organizations understand that effective management um, can mean the difference between success and failure, but many organizations fall short um, considering their most critical as, um, assets, and that, that is their people. And I, I think I've, I've um, kind of been repetitive about that. How do we assess things? Um, there are many assessments out there. There are wonderful assessment tools. Um, some of the ones that we use in the, in the world of what we do is we can do um, some assessments on the organization at large, and that is organizational needs inventories, really um, 
identifying some key areas and getting the input from the employees as to where they feel things should be, um, where and actually where they are, and it's those gaps. It's those um, it's those gaps between is is where we really can focus some development. Um, and then you know 360 surveys, really getting that that input from you know the supervisors ahead of you and the people below you. Um, we look for some critical size on those um, because uh, in the in the uh, in, in some of those we we want to make sure there's anonymity and there's always has to be a commitment to to do something on the other side. You know if we're going to put our employees through um, the efforts of actually filling out this information and giving their honest view of where the organization is at from their perspective, there has to be something on the other side in terms of development. Otherwise, it can have the negative effect, and that is, oh, that's great. They asked my opinion and nothing ever changes. And working organizations that are not committed to doing something on the other side to actually Take that data in and put a development plan together and begin to, to slowly institute it. Again, how we work is we identify those very critical areas, those top down, start always at the owner and the and the leadership team, and we begin to work with them. And then we filter through an organization. Start with a couple people. Um, and people one person at a time, slowly over over time. And that's why it can take years, depending on the size of this organization, it can take years for this to take place. Um, you know, Rome was not built in a day, nor is changing organization going to happen overnight. So with, but that's one of the critical areas is really understanding the organization and identifying some gaps. That's the first step. Okay, Mary, in going and in the organization. Um, I see that, again, we're looking at people in our, our human capital. Um, what are some other capital contributions that we should consider when making our assessments? Well, in the, in the world of assessments for the, the people in the organizations, um, we have a series. And the first one, um, it's called The Achiever. And it really is... Um, assesses 15 dimensions. And the first of them would be the mental acuity side. Now, this is non-intelligence test, but this, these first five really assess how do people take in information? You know, does somebody see it and they, they get a glimpse of something and they have it, they understand it? Um, are, are, or do they need to touch it, feel it? Do they need to process it? Do they need to take the time um, what what are their vocabulary levels? You know, what are their their knowledge of business terms? What's their their level of acuity, numerical acuity, um, and and it's that basic understanding of how people take in new information. The second part is how I relate to myself. You know, my energy level. Something as simple as do you see me tapping my nails? You know, it, there's never a time where there's something is not moving. Or am I so calm that you need to fog a mirror? 
you know, these are the extremes of the scales, but we've had thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people take these assessments over time, and we have benchmarks. You know, a profile of an entrepreneur is different than a president of a company. Now, amazing, a lot of entrepreneurs are becoming presidents of company. There's a gap right there. What are those critical factors that an entrepreneur needs to develop to grow into the role of a president? Um, so these assessments, and they're not just given to people. We take the time and, and we'll sit with them for 60 minutes and go over each dimension and gain their buy-in. At the end of it, we have them grade whether this is a, a good understanding of who they are or not. It's used as a hiring tool because there's also a distortion. You can't trick it. Um, there are companies that will not hire a soul inside their company without sending them through our achievers because uh, oftentimes, especially in the hiring process, I'm going to answer this test like I think the person hiring me wants me to. So I might be trying to hide something or I might be trying to distort and show myself to be something I'm not. It catches you. Um, so this tool, the Achiever, is used to identify who the people are on the team. It identifies um, people in the hiring process. Um, it identifies um, in the business owner where are they really measuring up against benchmarks. I can attest, Mary, to the assessment uh, process as being an individual who has taken the assessment uh, challenge, if you will. Um, I went through how I would react to different stimuli and situations, how I would um, just different skills and hypotheticals, and I was rather impressed with the results um, in that I think that it nailed down my strengths and weaknesses um, right to a T. So then the next step, I suppose, is finding out how I'm using my strengths and where I can develop uh, parts of my organization to fill in where I might not be the strongest leader. Mainly, in the world of the leaders, there's the executive achiever, which goes in depth to the levels of leadership. Where are their strengths in, in leadership? Where are those areas um, that we could work on? Now, inside an organization, you know, people may be just a phenomenal leader inside their organization, but this is benchmarking people in lots of organizations. So it's, it's identifying areas of growth. And then in the world of sales, we have the sales achiever, which focuses, you know, again, same 15 dimensions, but takes a twist and looks at things more from the sales professional's perspective. And then there's other assessments that, that um, move us down into um, like a best tire. You know, the best tire actually, uh, Kroger um, uses this, and which is a, a grocery um, chain, and they've reduced their turnover by 50% just using this. It's a very, very simple five-dimension tool. Um, but using this tool has been critical, and nobody gets hired without um, taking this assessment tool. You know, on from somebody who's going to bag your groceries, um, you know, that doesn't seem, um, seem necessary. However, when you look at the cost of turnover, um, that reduction on profit, especially groceries, are, are on such a narrow margin to begin with. It's been a huge revenue generator um, for them to actually reduce 
turnover, or I should say profit, I'm sorry, savings. Um, and then we also will, we will take all those. Now, people have bought into them. They said they're me. Um, they do believe that's a good representation. We'll put everybody on a grid, and we'll use this actually as a team-building tool. Often, um, people do really want to do well, and they do want to work together. Um, this kind of breaks down those those barriers and begins to build bridges. Somebody who is um, back to the energy level, somebody who's very high energy, locked in an office with somebody calm, is never never pretty results can come out of that. But if we can just build bridges as owners and really understand maybe we need to move our employees around and suit them with each other, or maybe just some clear understanding that I'm just high energy and you're just very calm, and they begin to find that middle and, and truly having an understanding of it's just how I am, it's just how I use my energy. Uh, we've had some amazing results on just that that uh, that exercise alone, and we always do a tongue in cheek. Um, it's always done um, with with some laughter involved. There is Mary. That's true. There is uh, so always got to be some laughter involved. Otherwise, it's not worth it. In my opinion, um, and I had some good laughs when we looked at the assessment. Um, and you know, saw my personality type. So um, you know, for better or worse. It's a good exercise, and my just some final comments I have on this, and then I'll uh, give back to Mary for some contact information. Is um, you know, business planning and succession planning, and having and working with a coach and a team doesn't mean that we're not successful already. We can have highly successful, profitable businesses, but what we're learning to do is learning how to think about different things that we might be forgetting, so that we retain our employees. That you know, uh, and other things that we maximize return on our, our human capital assets, um, you know, an actual organizational capital, money we put into the business. Uh, we want to get the best bang for our buck with our employees and our processes and what we're doing. So, again, just by doing the succession planning process doesn't mean that we're prepared to go out of business or go away, but we're really making sure our house is in order. So we have about a minute left. If uh, Mary could give us some contact info, how we can get a hold of her. You can probably see a pretty um, extensive list of programs at the website lmi-riverside.com. That's lmi-riverside.com, or you can get there from my website, which Nick has already given. Um, I'll end with a quote. If you are planning a year, sow rice. If you're planning for a decade, plant trees. If you're planning for a lifetime, educate people. That's a Chinese proverb. Mary Urbane, Peak Marketing and Sales, Executive VP of LMI Riverside. Thank you, Mary. Always a pleasure to have you as a guest on the show. Mary has all she has other uh, programs that we will explore on some upcoming shows, so do uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. So, again, thank you to Mary. Thank you also for our guests into the Consumer's Law Journal program on ALRP Area's Law Talk Radio. Thank you also to today's sponsors. We had number one, the Intellectual Property Law Office of Nancy K. Ducharme. Number two, Jim Thompson of Midwest Consulting Group. And three, credit damage expert George Finder.
Again, by way of disclaimer, this is a general information program, and the advice shared on this show does not constitute legal advice. Results may be based on specific facts and location. Communication with attorney guests and among guests and callers on this show does not give rise to an attorney-client relationship. If you have further questions, you are encouraged to consult an attorney or a professional in your area. Finally, all callers do remain confidential, and all rights to this broadcast are reserved by ALRPRA. These ALRPRA Law Talk radio broadcasts are programmed to bring our attorney and non-attorney audiences the tips, tools, and practice areas they can use to be better informed practitioners and consumers of legal services. With guests and listeners located nationwide, we appreciate the opportunity to use the social ra- socially networked radio program to bring people together and share collective intelligence. Again, this is Nick Augustine for ALRPRA, and we thank you for your time.